on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Warning! This podcast is a mailbag podcast, but it's going to contain spoilers from a variety of different stories and comics and movies and television shows likely. So, you know, like if you don't want to get spoiled about what's going on in uh, Star Wars, the High Republic comics or uh, or the sixth book of the Harry Potter series and just pass on it. But we're going to be talking about that stuff. So be warned. Hello, my name is Jason Concepcion and welcome to X-Ray Vision, the crooked podcast where we dive deep down into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. Joining me today, oh, the gang is back together for the holiday mailbag. We have both of our hosts, the great Rosie Knight and the fantastically talented Cody Ziegler. Folks, how are you? Uh, We are great. We're thriving. Uh, I, uh, as I told you, both of you, I'm going to see Spider-Man No Way Home after we wrap Woo! this. So, yes, yes, uh, yes. I, I expect, <laughs> expect the group chat and my Twitter to be exploding with, with nerdy <laughs> takes all weekend, folks. I'm getting it here now. I'm doing great. I love it. I am also doing great. I'm so stoked to be here with both of you. I'm so stoked you're about to see Spider-Man, Zig. <laughs> you, you, sh- you're writing Spider-Man. You should have already seen it. I know. You like, I, know. It. I know. Like when when they said that, hey, you can. Uh, that one of the producers of this show was like, hey, we have screenings this day. I was like, I thought about getting a flight back to LA just to see it, but I I was much more conscious about my money spending. But good plan. I, yeah, I I really wanted to see it early. I love that responsibility, but, you know, I'm glad you're seeing it today. Okay, let's get to the mail. (laughs) Our first question. Lars asks, what are everyone's thoughts on the High Republic, the Star Wars High Republic novels and comics so far? I think they're a very interesting direction to go into for Star Wars. What upcoming projects are we excited uh, for for the Disney Plus shows, aside from Kenobi, which everyone is pumped for? Uh, Rosie, you had some very specific thoughts about the High Republic comics. Yeah, I really love it, actually. I think it's a really cool uh, project and kind of it has a massive scope. In case you haven't seen it, it's a, it's a new era of Star Wars and um, it goes over comics, graphic novels for kids, uh, adult novels. It's got all kinds of incredible creators. Claudia Gray did my favorite book so far called Into the Dark. She'd also done this incredible Star Wars book called Lost Stars, Kevan Scott, Justina Ireland, Daniel Jose Older, Charles Saul. Like it's a smorgasbord of great creators. And the really cool thing is if you like, if you grew up reading Star Wars Expanded Universe and kind of these stories that added to the lore that you loved in this really new and inventive way, this is very much harking back to that age but in a canonized way this is official star wars stuff but it's got that scope and that new characters exciting new worlds and and i just think it's really good and yeah if i was going to recommend one i'd say claudia gray into the dark is a really great place to start but charles saw also did the high republic kind of kickoff book so if you don't know where to start that's a good novel to get in on the ground floor 
Charles Soule crushing it right now. I know. He's killing it. He is absolutely killing it. Okay. Emil asks, what are your top crossover events? My favorite of all time was Galactic Storm. Uh, he also mentions Nightfall, Axe of Vengeance, the, the original Inferno. Shout out to the original Inferno and Madeline Pride. <laughs> Reign of Superman also have a, an honorable mention. Uh, Zig, what are your favorite crossovers? Oh, man, that's such a good question. Um, you know, I was a big fan of uh, World War Hulk because that was the first mm-hmm. crossover yeah. I actually got into. And I didn't know how crossovers work, so I just thought there were a dozen books all about <laughs> World War Hulk. So uh, I, re- I distinctly remember reading an irredeemable Ant-Man where uh, Eric O'Grady had to shrink down to go inside the Hulk to try to kill him. But uh, yeah. the Hulk's inside are just as strong as his outside, so he just got sneezed <laughs> out. And like that was my intro into like crossover events. Like I'm, I'm sold on that. Like That was a big fun because you just see Hulk beat up every single character in the mm-hmm. Marvel universe. Like his uh there's like a three issue I think run where he goes to uh Professor X's Academy and like he just curb stomps all of those uh <laughs> yeah all those guys. Those those are probably that's probably that and Marvel Zombies are like my favorite mm-hmm. um, crossover events. Rosie? I like the weird stuff especially. So like I have a lot of like weird old crossovers like Batman Spawn, Batman Predator, Archie versus mm. Predator. I really like when like you get the weird I mean Batman versus Spawn makes sense. They have a lot of capes, but seriously, if you haven't read Archie versus Predator, that is like one of the funniest, mm. deepest kind of comics. More on like a classic superhero level is definitely like Crisis on Infinite Earths, also Infinity mm. Gauntlet. Like I like those big cosmic stories where you get to see mm-hmm. all these different characters you would never expect kind of brawling it out. Jason, what about you? Oh, gosh. Uh, I, I also love those big sprawling uh, crossovers. I think Marvel Cosmic has had some of the greatest mm-hmm. crossovers in recent years. Mm-hmm. So Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest are just like yeah. massive in scope. They introduced uh, the the modern version of the Guardians of the Galaxy team. You get to watch uh, Groot actually speak in in words in this, mm-hmm. but it's it, it's super great. Like giant space opera across many many worlds. Incredible villain. Really really fun. Uh, in that same vein, War of Kings was also really good. Maybe it doesn't get uh, quite the shine, but also another uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning mm-hmm. kind of like cosmic crossover this time uh, kind of related. It's like a lot of um, Summer's family. So Scott Summer's Cyclops is a mutant. His brother Alex also a mutant. Their other brother, Vulcan, also a mutant. They all have these kind of like energy powers. And it's, you know, Vulcan basically is extremely powerful and he just basically goes nuts and people have to try and stop him. And the various kings that try to stop him include Black Bolt and uh, the king of the Inhumans. It's really, really fun, really good. And then I guess more recently, War of the Realms, I really enjoyed. Uh It's Mm -hmm. just like a good old Thor fun it was really, really great to watch the uh, various baddies uh, from Asgard and elsewhere trying to invade <laughs> Earth. Um, good, good stuff right there. And that whole Thor run up to War of the Realms, starting with Jason Aaron's oh. Thor stuff. Oh, it's like, boy. it's yeah. just, yeah. it's an unrivaled run of greatness. So check mm. that out. And that's a good, I think that's a really good place if you want to know what might be happening in Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a very good and also Russell Dortmund's just like the best. So whenever you get that Russell art, you're just like, ah, this is perfect. <laughs> um AVD6977 asks, do you think we'll ever get a solid live action anime? 
Uh, let me, uh, Rosie and I are both about to clap up on our yes. soapboxes, so please bear with this. <laughs> yeah, please. Zach, please. I, I'm, pr- I'm presenting the soapbox to you. Warm it up. Warm it uh, yeah, up. yeah there, are, there, are, there are tons of uh, really, really solid live action adaptations of, of anime and manga that just never gets over here. Um, I'd say like just right off the back, like the most recent one that I can think of that's easily accessible is Blade of the Immortal. Yes. Um, I think that's on Amazon or Hulu. One, if you have a streaming network, it's going to be on there like. A really, really great one. I think this was a manga. I don't think it actually got a, an adaptation to animation just yet, but I am a hero. Um, if you're a big fan of um, zombies or like a Walking Dead, it's a really mm-hmm. nice, interesting take on that from the perspective of like just an everyday schlub in the middle of like Japan, like a, a big dense city in Japan. It's really great, really interesting. Um, like it's it's fun seeing how their gun laws just affect how you would survive uh, a zombie invasion. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for like a fun American adaptation, that's a little cheesy and also just has some great practical effects. Uh, the Giver and the Giver Dark yes. Heroes from the mid nineties. Great. If you want to see Mark Hamill change into a giant cockroach, that's the movie to watch. <laughs> Who doesn't want to see that? I mean, yeah. Blade of the Immortal, like I think it was Takashi Miike's like 200th mm-hmm. movie or something as well. I got to interview him about it. It was like my dream, but that movie is so great. It's so violent. It's so interesting. It's so thoughtful. It's so fun. Um, also like the Japanese death note is like, yeah, it's yeah. very like zerosy, but I really like that. I think also the Jojo's Bizarre Adventure movie that they did, did their live action one. So I think like there are already great live action anime mm-hmm. adaptations being made. They're just generally being made in Japan. Yeah. People just got to seek them out. And I do think, I do believe we can get them here too. I just think it's a journey. They've been making them in Japan for so long. That's where yeah. the quality comes from. Yeah, I mean, they have hometown advantage. I, I will say even like Alita Battle Angel wasn't terrible. Like I thought it was going to be a train I like that movie actually. Yeah, yeah I kind of like that movie. Yeah, it was a fun, like it's there. I think you just like Rosie said, you have to look a little bit harder mm-hmm. than like just Netflix. John asks, is J.K. Rowling's exclusion from the 20th anniversary uh, get-together that's on HBO Max, uh, the original cast all getting together uh, in uh, in the kind of like Friends reunion vein, is her exclusion appropriate given her critical role as author of the HP universe? It's I'll let you guys go first, but yes. 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 In my opinion, it's appropriate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yes. Next question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She's, she's, she is. It's, it is, and she's still getting paid, so I'm yeah. sure she's fine. She's yeah. getting yeah, yeah. paid. She I can mean, write some nasty tweets, and then hopefully people can enjoy it without. You know, they don't want to have to edit out her saying all that stuff yeah. that she would inevitably have said. Yeah, she'll she'll yes. be fine. Your weirdest friends from high school and college will still defend them, and like you can just ignore them on your Facebook or timeline. They'll be fine. I mean, uh, J.K. recently, like with like days ago, quintupled mm-hmm. or quint, you know, what sextupled down <laughs> on her transphobic stance with a pretty inflammatory tweet. Uh, that I'm not going to repeat here, yeah. but it's in vain with her other stuff. I'll just say that like the community that grew up around the stories that took from those stories, this kind of message of inclusion, of acceptance, of people finding who they are and finding the magic within themselves and finding community that way uh, should move on as a community without the, the kind of divisiveness, unfortunately, that JK is injecting into the conversation. Just like, you know, yes. sit in your Scottish castle and enjoy your money. Yeah. Like, like this- that's all. Like, you wrote the stories, and as Rosie noted, you're still mm-hmm. getting significantly paid. Yep. And so just enjoy your billions yeah. and, and stop tweeting about, about trans people in a really, really terrible way. Next, Ash asks, the Disney plus Hawkeye series lifts 
so wonderfully and heavily from the fraction in Aya run. But as I understand it, Aya isn't credited, much less paid for Disney using all of his work. What's up with that? And can you guys talk about how Disney is literally just having their credits people and production designers create, quote unquote, fan art, essentially, of all Aya's work? Uh, Rosie, you have strong feelings. I have about lots this, of feelings. As do we all? So, if anyone's read any of my work, and if you haven't, there's there's a ton there if you'd like to. But um, I write quite a lot about creator rights and creator credits, and Disney, and also Marvel before Disney. This is a long established a long problem established since the problem. beginning of the industry. Like when comics began, there was not such a thing as a work for hire contract it was very blurred that's why you can have jack kirby's family or the siegel and schuster estates arguing for the ownership of these characters but from around the 70s everyone uh in comics in big two comics marvel and dc has been working under what is called a work fire contract when you make these characters when you create them they are owned by marvel now the question is when you signed that contract did you know that Marvel or DC would become the biggest blockbuster industry in the right. entire mm-hmm. world and you were creating characters that could be used to make billions of dollars. I mean, there's lots of creators who have talked out about this a lot. Uh, Jim Starlin, the creator of Thanos, he 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 basically talked shit on Marvel not paying him and Disney not paying him until they did. And it was yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that is, Jason kind of pointed this out before we started talking, but you can maybe get paid by Disney, but you're going to have to go after them to get that money. And also the crediting thing is interesting because David A. Hart is a really, really extreme example. The entire Hawkeye credits are taken from his art style, all the mm-hmm. promotional work. And he did a tweet right. where he said, I'm not bothered about being credited. Like Disney, just how about you pay me? Essentially, I'm paraphrasing. And um, that made people say, wait, he's not getting paid. Basically, he does get a technical credit where it, that if you wait till the end of Hawkeye, and I always write all of these and explain who is being thanked for what in my Easter eggs, you can see a special thanks. They have this at the end of movies. And that is essentially where they acknowledge the people who created either the characters or the story arcs, which are being taken from. There was a creator who was one of the co-creators of Yelena, the Black Widow, who came out and said, you know, when you get the special thanks, there is a set payment that Marvel is allegedly going to send you. But even that $5,000 or whatever it's supposed to be is not something that they immediately send you. Yeah. 5,000? Yeah. And that's, Whoa. and you have to seek them out, apparently, to get it. So, so the special thanks is it's there. I'm glad it exists, but I would like to see a Hawkeye cr- based on characters by with yes. the big credit. You know, that would be nice. Absolutely. This is a contracting yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing issue that multiple corporations have and that comic books is at the very heart of. But I think it's really, really cool that Ash pointed this out because I think it's a question a yes. lot of people have. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people assume that anyone who writes comics is a millionaire because <laughs> these movies... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a hundred, which is, as we know, Zig, 100% true. Yes, yeah, you are yeah, a multi-millionaire. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm recording you wrote from my yacht Spider-Man. right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, so I think it's really cool that people are having these conversations. I would love for David A. how to get paid more. I would, And so another thing that people were kind of confused about, specifically with Hawkeye... Matt Fraction is listed as a consulting producer. So mm-hmm. a lot of people said, oh, why isn't David Ahar listed as that? We don't know what those conversations were had between the two of them. But what we do know is Disney and Marvel Studios did not reach out to Matt Fraction to be a consulting producer. In fact, mm-hmm. it was revealed that Seth Meyers put him in touch with the creative team on the show and said, because hey, he was friends with both of them. And he said, hey, why don't you bring Matt oh. on as a producer? So Disney is not doing that outreach. It's all about 
the personal connections that you make and the kind mm -hmm. of yes. willingness that you have to fight. And David Ahar, he's a very happy man. Doesn't really sell his original art, makes his cool art. Like he kind of did a shit post about Disney. And I think now he's just like, <laughs> don't worry about me, guys. Like I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, Rosie covered everything that needed to be covered, but also it's one of those things where like, there's no comic book unions. Like I'm, I, yes, I'm a television yeah. writer. It's like, we have a whole yeah. union that's fault for years to make sure that like, if I, somebody ever adapts anything that I've written, I get a pretty nice check and not just mm -hmm. like, I don't have to like hunt down the, the head of Sony studios right. to get you don't down have to find them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not Liam Neeson trying to track down you know, <laughs> the guy who took my money. Yeah. All of which is to say union protections are great. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be great to have those in the comics industry. So they're more uh, be a more equitable uh, division of the monies mm -hmm. which creators help generate. And I think that's uh, all in all a good thing that I hope uh, we see more of and that we could fight for. That's that would be good. And I would urge everyone to, to examine their personal relationship with corporations mm -hmm. at, at whenever they can. Yes. Up next, more mailbag. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Continuing with the Hawkeye uh, subject, uh, the Ronin suit, Tara asks, where did it come from and why is it called that? Rosie, would you like to take us down into the lore? Yes. So this is, this is actually like, I love this because I am like, this is just my dream. Like, I have to say, yeah. Hawkeye, I thought I would hate it. I'm a Jeremy Renner hater, but the show is great. I love all the characters they included. And so basically, something very cool. The first ever Ronin was actually Echo. Uh, New Avengers hmm. 11, Brian Michael Bendis and Joe Quesada created her. And then Clint took on the mantle and a bunch of other people took it on. But something that is really cool is that originally Ronin was actually meant to be revealed as Matt Murdock. But editorially, yes. there was like a conflict with the Daredevil title. So they went with Echo. So you have Echo and then you have Clint. And that is where Ronin comes from. And, and Echo, that was just her cool costume. But obviously it's inverted here where we saw Clint have the suit first in the MCU. And then, you know, we haven't seen Echo. It is a fake out in New Avengers, you know, whatever uh, issue that is. Captain America goes to see Daredevil and is like, hey, I need somebody for this mission. Do you, do you know anybody? I, I, I think you'd be great for it. And Matt's like, mm, maybe I would. And then all of a sudden this Ronin shows up, <laughs> mm -hmm. but then it's a fake out and it's actually, spoiler, Echo. <laughs> also, it's it's Ronin, R-O-N-I-N, for those yes. who are playing at home, right, right. Ronin, R-O-N-A-N, the accuser. Ronin, yeah. like the right. I understand samurai. the confusion, yeah. but it's right. Ronin, yeah, it's the, it's the lone samurai. Ronan, the accuser, is, of course, a Cree and part of the whole accuser squad who are kind of like a combined, an extension of the Cree military slash judicial system slash warrior who goes out there and is like judge jury and executioner like everywhere in space where he is um continuing with uh more stuff that uh can kind of branch off from hawkeye uh angtrick asks 
Where, when, how do we think that the MCU will officially do Young Avengers? Ooh, I mean, they're all here, which is great. As soon as uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness comes out, we will get America Chavez. So th they're all here, but one. Well, I, Hulkling also. Okay, so never mind. They're not all here. Uh, we're missing Hulkling and America Chavez. <laughs> they're on their way. Yeah, yeah. They're on their way soon. Uh, when do we think we'll see them? You know, I, I think, uh, I mean, you already touched the America Chavez. I'm wondering if there'll be some Hulkling action in Secret Wars. Like mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe that's when we'll get a little bit more of the, the scroll side because we really haven't gotten much out of them outside of, um, you know, a throwaway joke in um, the second Spider-Man movie and, and, you know, Captain Marvel. So I'm hoping there will be some Hulkling action and then, and then we can finally all come together and get my, I want to see my boy Patriot leading the charge. Like I want to see him doing some I gotta signs. See it. Call yeah. Yeah, I want it all. yeah, I really, I think that post WandaVision, you know, we know that we have late Wiccan and Speed and, and, and like with Secret Invasion coming, we could definitely see Hulkling come there. Jason, you mentioned before uh, we were recording about it being very suited for TV. And I actually think you're right. I think that's. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a show. I think, I think it'll be a show. Like I think it'll be a Young Avengers show. Maybe they'll move out to LA. It feels like it feels like Kate already uh -huh. needs yeah. a change of scenery. She's yeah. already thinking about the warmer climates, get a new start somewhere else. I think they'll move out there and they'll do some stuff out there. Here's something I've been thinking about. This is a, so, sort of an aside. You mentioned Secret Invasion. Who's the scroll? Somebody right now <laughs> is the scroll, right? <laughs> yeah, you know it. You know there's a scroll somewhere. Yeah. Who's the scroll right now in the MCU? It's someone. Oh boy. <laughs> Dude, I used to be the number one it's Hawkeye. I used to be like, it's Hawkeye. Why would he do all of this stuff? I, that's not the case. I've seen the show. That's not yeah. the case. I take it all back. I'm sorry. I've been wrong for like five years. It's probably oh, gonna man. be someone less. I think it's gonna be Shieldy or someone less. Yeah. Um Obvious. Right. I, I I love the idea of it being like in the comics where it's this huge sprawling thing. But I think Feige said it's going to be much more intimate, much more kind of paranoid, scary yeah. kind of like a espionage drama. So in that way, mm. I, I think it's going to much more likely to be a a shield type kind of yeah secondary character, but still that's going to have a little bit of impact. Yeah, I mean they've already infiltrated Sword, so like mm -hmm. I, yeah, I'm right. I'm, I'm I'm with Rosie. I think it'll be like. Oh, that person that had three lines in that one scene? Guess what? They're scrolling. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I predicted Maria Hill no. uh, oh, I think previously. That's, I think that's really on point. Yeah. Here's a fun... Well, actually, this is a great opportunity to talk about a thing that uh, caused a lot of controversy. What if it's Officer Paxton, a.k.a. Bobby Cannavale from the, <laughs> from the, from the Ant-Man universe, or someone's like... Someone's wife and or partner and or kid being a scroll, I think, could be fun. And so let me address this now. Many people were like, hey, did Jason forget that Bobby Cannavale is off from Spraxton uh, from Ant-Man? Uh, no, I didn't forget. But what I did forget to do, and this is what happens. This is like a, a – Mal and I used to talk about this on Bingeman all the time where we are so used to talking to each other about mm. this stuff that you forget that this is for people and that you have to provide context all the time for things. And we'll just like have like inside jokes and non sequiturs that make it onto the tape and you listen back and you're like, this is like a statement that is referencing nothing. Like <laughs> Only we would get this. So, yes, I knew that he uh, is Officer Paxton. The thing that I forgot to mention was like there's a lot of – Examples of double casting. Gemma Chan is in Captain Marvel and is in The Eternals. Aaron Taylor Thomas is 
Quicksilver and is now Craven. There's other examples, Josh Brolin, yada, yada, yada. That said, yes, I knew it. I should have said it. And I humbly apologize to all of you. Next question. <laughs> um, Brandon asks, what are our favorites heroes take a break issues? My fave, though it's two issues, is Tom King's Superman, Batman, Double Date. That is a good one. It's really <laughs> it good. Salita, it's really good. That is a good one. That's one of those, like, I'm not a DC person, but I read it, uh, in which Selena and Lois become my favorite duo ever. That's a, a great question, Brandon. Uh, Rosie, do you have a favorite? Yeah, so my most recent one, and I, this actually made me think of it, is um, in the DC Pride issue, Danny Law did this story about the non-binary Flash Jess Chambers getting ready to go on a date. And it has big, that kind of energy. Also, I'm a big fan of any time that the X-Men play baseball. And for my Hawkeye Easter eggs, I was doing my funny, like, is there a number? Was it an Easter egg to an issue? And I found this issue of Avengers 325. And it's uh, it's after this big drama and, and they have a break. And so Cersei holds a party. And while there is some shenanigans, like the waiting staff end up trying to kill them, most of the thing is just the Avengers just having this party and Cersei using her magical powers to make them have a really cool party. And it's so much fun. It's like absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Zig? Uh, I was trying to think of one uh, off the tone. I'm, now I'm thinking of, I'm immediately going to anime and, and manga. And like my favorite one is uh, Dragon Ball Super. There's an episode where everyone just plays a baseball game. <laughs> like, <laughs> I because, love uh, The character Yamcha is a professional baseball player in the universe of that, of that series. And like, it's just all the players playing uh, a game. There's like gods on one side and God on the other side, and they just play a game <laughs> of baseball. That's that's the entire stakes of that particular episode. Sports anime and anime and manga have such good slice of life stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like superhero comics need to really yeah. get to that level. I love it. My uh, this is a this is a pair. So my favorite two would be Uncanny X Men two forty four. This is from the, the Claremont run when they were when the X Men were in Australia. It's called Ladies Nights, the debut of Jubilee. The Uncanny X Men, you know, they're out there uh, all dirty in the Australian outback, and they're like, you know what? We need a break from all this bullshit <laughs> fighting the Reavers out here in the dust. Let's go to the mall. Uh, what do you do? Let's teleport to LA and go to the mall. And that's where they meet Jubilee, uh, who makes her debut in that episode. It's really fun. Uh, and then uh, du- during the Brian Michael Bendis Uncanny X Men run, which I quite enjoyed actually, during the Inhumanity uh, event in which, you know, the Inhuman Terrigen Bomb uh, released. And this was like positioning the Inhumans to be, you know, like the kind of next force of powered individuals in Earth culture. There is uh, an issue, I think it's issue, it's issue 15. And it's basically all the ladies, ex-ladies go out and they go shopping once again. They go, it's all this Terrigen shit is happening. And they're like, you know what? Emma Frost, Ilyana, Kitty, fucking Tempest, Jean Grey, <laughs> the original Jean Grey, the time transported Jean Grey, like the original Jean Grey from the 60s transported to the to the present day, and the Stepford Cuckoos <laughs> all go shopping, and it's wonderful. I love it. I love this. Uh, those are just my favorite. I, You know, like our heroes, they're fighting all the time. They need a fucking break. Yeah. They need a break sometime. Okay, Scott asks, uh, do you think they'll do stories from the blip? Uh, the MCU, do you think we'll uh, see stories from the blip? If so, what or who would you want to see? I'd love to see Rocket writing emails. Yeah, I think <laughs> um, I think if if the developments within Hawkeye um, and and within uh, you know the various MCU movie properties that have mm-hmm. that are coming out are any indication 
we are going to explore the blip as like this global traumatic event more and more. There's going to be a lot of mm. things that come out of that. I think it's going to be an origin story for villains and heroes. Uh, we're we're going to see a lot more of what happened there. It's it's a great. It's so comicsy because it's yeah. like this huge event that just is vast in scope that you know, whatever creative team wants to can just go in and be like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm staking out this area of the blip and saying this happened. It's going to be super fun. I, what about y'all? Yeah. I mean, it, it's such like, it's such a get out of jail free car. Like here's five years it is. where anything could happen. Uh, and no matter what is going to be reset at the end of it. So do what you yeah. want to do. I think to Jason's point, you'll see a lot of, um, I think you'll see a lot of origin stories or you'll see a lot mm-hmm. of like those seeds planted, like, um, like I mean, I, I'm sure I'm assuming Riri happens after Endgame yes. since she's probably directly inspired by Iron Man. But like, maybe you see a little bit of what she was going on during like the the five year period, or like uh, if they do like want to do like a Young Avengers stuff, like maybe they they have some throwback stuff to happening like in that time as time frame as well. Yeah. Just to quickly hijack episode five of Hawkeye, Anna, the Black Widow, who. Yelena attempts to rescue, but is actually fine and is just doing hits. But now uh, uh, after the blip, she comes back and uh, this woman has like adopted a kid with their partner. I don't think that that kid is Riri Williams, but I also yeah. would not be surprised if that kid mm-hmm. was Riri Williams. Oh, yeah, That's all yeah, I was yeah. Well, continue. Sorry, yeah, 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 no, what were you going to say? I Rosie? definitely, no, no, I just agree with you both. I think it's like, it's this hilarious comic book thing where it's kind of a nightmare <laughs> to have to explain <laughs> it, but it also <laughs> gives people like a lot of freedom. And there's definitely, I won't say what, but there's like, there's one plot point in uh, No Way Home. Like it's a throwaway line, but I would love to see that expanded on. If you've seen it, you'll know what it is. I think the blip has a lot of fun space. And I definitely think with what if with the guardians of the galaxy Christmas mm-hmm. special coming up, I think there's likely that we might get some kind of anthology of mm. the blip where you could mm-hmm. mix funny stuff with that darker, more kind of like Carly style Falcon mm-hmm. and the winter soldier storytelling. Cause there's going to be funny stuff like, you know, rocket sending emails, people trying to live their lives and there's going to be terrible traumatic stuff like how <laughs> yeah. we saw cap dealing with it and stuff. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a ripe for exploration, but there's also like a twenty percent chance that in about a year they'll just stop mentioning it because it's an absolute <laughs> nightmare timeline wise. Back with more listener mail after this. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Andreas asks, uh, what do we all think about uh, and might we talk about the live action Cowboy Bebop and uh, Netflix's Arcane, which uh, Zig and I have been uh, texting back and forth about. Uh, Zig, do you want to you want to start? Ar- Arcane's the cleanest shit I've ever seen. Like that Ooh, series is, great. is, Arcane so, is very, very good. so good. Like I will say so Riot Studios is the game studio that these games are based off of League of Legends. Um, but like they they have been making fantastic shorts, animated shorts mm-hmm. for almost a decade. Like the same studio that I think uh, it's a French name. I don't want to butcher. I don't want to say it because I'm going to butcher it. But like that studio has been making fantastic shorts for the better part of a decade. Really great stuff. And like 
there were so many moments watching this series where I was just trying to figure out like how they were doing the shot. It seemed like they were doing like a combination of like live mocap and then going back over and doing digital painting over mm-hmm. every single frame. And I was like, this is fantastic. And that's not even, that's not even taken into effect. That's the points where they like break animation style. Like there's yeah. a bunch of, there's some really cool um, set pieces where like they just break the animation style and go into something that's completely different. Also it's completely cool. Uh, I cannot wait for more of this type of animation to get out there. And like, I hope that the series does numbers, which it seems like it is doing. It's like definitely the most exciting experimental animation since like into the spider verse, mm-hmm. like the way they play with holding lines, the way they play with animation mm-hmm. styles, the way yeah. that they use animation to tell the story and create the world, but in a way that's not narrative, it's just to do with aesthetic. It's yeah. yeah. I, and also Haley Steinfeld. She's so great. she's killing it. Yeah. Um, I am almost done with uh, the first season of Arcane. It is fucking great. Uh, episode two just launches in a completely different direction. I, I, I'm not versed in the League of Legends mm-hmm. lore at all. Yeah, so this is my introduction to Jinx and the rest of these characters. But I'll just say, like, it is really great. Like, it's really, really good. I agree with you. There were a couple of times, like, especially kind of like two shots or full body shots where a character mm-hmm. is like walking into a space yeah. where I'm like, man, did they mocap this? Like this looks the uncanny Valley feeling is amazing. Yeah. And then some of the fights are so unbelievably brutal and good. Yeah. It's really, really great. So yeah. watchable action packed. And like the characters are really, I mean, Jinx is like up there is mm-hmm. an all time, like, Mm-hmm. Can you fix her character? Just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like <laughs> um, Kyle asks, will you be doing any video game segments on the show? Elden Ring, which is the new game from Soft Game, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Zero Dawn, the sequel to Breath of the Wild, a lot of other great games coming out this year. Yeah, I think I that would be really fun to do. I think the release of the live action Halo, long awaited, long a- mm-hmm. live yeah. action Halo show, uh, I think is a good opportunity to do that. I was uh, Cody and I were recently commiserating about like yeah. how good the original Eric Nyland Halo books are. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like, oh, they yeah. Had, they got no business being that good, but they were fantastic, stupendously good. Like if you like, if you like space military naval action if you loved ender's game mm. uh fall of reach and the rest of them by eric nyland are yeah. so much better than they should be and i've been playing the heck out of the new halo game so i think that that, that would be a cool thing to talk about um in the future if y'all are game rosie do you are you playing anything right now that that you like yeah i mean i i love playing games i don't play i have a i have a switch and a playstation but i do mostly play like indie games so i've been mm-hmm. playing yeah. like spirit fairer pretty extensively mm-hmm. i love breath of the wild so i will tell yeah. that that's yeah, like I one love of that. the sequel is like my most anticipated movie i have a zelda tattoo that's like 100 <laughs> percent my shit oh yeah. look at let me see where's my <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> sorry rosie I, I forgot a podcast is oh, an yeah, audio medium we have tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie and I are showing off our Zelda tattoos. Yeah, Breath of the yeah. Wild is um, so Breath one of the, Wild, the greatest I, I'm, games ever. I'm still playing Animal Crossing like way mm-hmm. too much because it's just so <laughs> chilling. Uh, Cozy Grove. I mean, for me, the Switch actually like expanding into letting third party developers make yeah. so many games has been like life changing. I just play I, whenever there's a sale, I just buy a ton of random indie games and it has been like a total blessing. But yeah. I know I will be. I will be moving back to the AAA because, like, obviously the Wolverine game is, like, oh, 
Yeah. I, whenever it yeah. comes out, I will be there at the first. Yeah. I love Spider-Man. I love Miles Morales. I, I love the Arkham games because I love that fighting mechanism. Yeah. So I'm ready for that with Wolverine. I'm, I'm there. Continuing on the, uh, on the video game tip, uh, Danny Brandy asks, thoughts on The Witcher Season 1? Any chance we get any pod coverage of Season 2? Much as Jason never played League of Legends, I had never played any of the Witcher series or read any of the books. So, like, I just watched the series. I'm like, I really liked it. Like, I, I, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's big budget. But also, there's, like, some fun practical stuff. Like, they just have practical effects. And, like, it's, that's a thing that's still near and dear to my, to my old soul. Mm-hmm. So, like, I like seeing it. I like knowing that there's, like, an actual guy with one eye dressed up as, like, a satyr, like, next to Henry Cavill. <laughs> like, that's great. Um, it seems like they're really making a push Netflix-wise to, like, make that to, like, an expanded universe because I think they have, like, an anime or an animated mm-hmm. series or animated feature for, for the, in the Witcher universe. So, like, I'm all aboard. Like, anything that, that makes, like, big, fun um, sci-fi or, or fantasy, like, I'm, I'm, I'll give it a chance. I'm into it. I didn't, like, love the show, but the book mm-hmm. I actually got into because the show came out and mm-hmm. the game is great, but the books are actually, like, really good. Like, oh, if you're nice. looking for oh, that wow. good, weird sci-fi, they are, like, weird and good. <laughs> I, I, And I really like that the focus for the new seasons of The Witcher is, like, really inclusive and, like, changing mm-hmm. that kind of idea of who is usually in fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely going to I'm gonna give it a try as they spread. And I think the series was meant to be incredible. I haven't watched it yet, but it got, like, a lot of love from anime fans. I liked I liked the series a lot. I especially like as a game player and mo- and and full disclosure, Witcher Three is really the mm-hmm. Witcher that I played, but I loved Witcher Three. I was really impressed by Henry Cavill's just like kind of grunts because his grunts <laughs> were directly out of the game, just mm. like that <laughs> stuff is. <laughs> I was like, wow, that it sounds just like the game. Holy shit. Stay tuned. I think that's definitely something that we could do. Yeah. And then finally, Alex asks, I'm looking for recommendations for fantasy sci-fi adventure novels. The problem I have is a lot of recommendations I find online are books that are too hard to follow. They often have way too many characters with unfamiliar names. I can't keep track of them. Any recommendations for easy, fun reads? Love the show. Thanks. Alex. Uh, Rosie, you had some, you had some good ones for this. Yeah, I totally relate to this because I absolutely love fantasy and I grew up on really dense, esoteric, hardcore stuff. And sometimes you just want that easier to get into, like captive yeah. read. So some that I have been throwing out, um, Six of Crows, which is by Libra Dugo, which is basically a spin-off of Shadow and Bone, but Six of Crows is like oh, an whoa. ultimate. So Six of Crows is an ultimate badass high story that is just one of the most incredible books. I've never met anyone who hasn't read it in about two days because it is just the most gripping stuff. And if you like it, you can go into Shadow and Bone, but this is really its own great story. Mm. I read a brilliant book recently called The Gilded Ones by Namina Fauna, which is like a fantasy story about a young woman who bleeds gold and in her village that means that she's a witch and it basically is this monster dragon mythology with a brilliant black lead and it is just really cool and has a lot of twists and if you want to chill one but that is one of the best books i've read (laughs) there's this book called the house in the cerulean sea by tj clune and it's Mm. about a world where magic is real and a guy who works for a very boring Douglas Adams-esque kind of dystopian government has to go and look at the orphanages where magic children are kept. And they're usually horrible. <laughs> and one time he goes and he's assigned to this place with this very charming father figure with all these weird children, one of whom is the Antichrist. And it's basically this weird found family X-Men 
queer, brilliant story. And I just, it's so good. It's just so good. I will add to those. Well, listen, if you're looking for a space adventure that is a super fun, fast, funny read, Rosie just mentioned Douglas Adams. Mm -hmm. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books are just fucking hilarious. They're so funny. for a reason. It's like, it actually makes me mad how funny they are. Like, I, it enrages <laughs> me that they're that good. Um, I would also add uh, Micaiah Johnson's The Space Between Worlds, which, which came out uh, this year. Mm. It is uh, one of the more original, like, alternate universe kind of, like, sci-fis that I've read lately. And, and it's got a really interesting, like, um, social justice message in it. it diverse uh, characters, uh, author of color, really good. I would recommend that. And then The Past is Read by uh, Catherine Valenti, which is like uh, also like really funny, kind of like a magical realism sci-fi and like this like garbage post-apocalyptic future. Um, it's stark, but it, there's like a there's like a lightness and a fun to it. And then I guess like I find sometimes like uh, starting like a whole ass novel can be really daunting. So I'm like, give me mm-hmm. short stories. Um, Ted Chiang's Exhalation a compilation of short stories is really great. The first one, like go to a bookstore, find that book and just read the first one. And if it doesn't grab you, then don't read the rest of it. But if it grabs you, just buy the book. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, this was super fun. Uh, Big thanks to Rosie and Cody. Where can people find more of you? Uh, If you're looking for me, yay for Zig on social media, that's Instagram and Twitter. And I'm assuming you like yeah! comic book stuff, so check out Woo! Amazing Spider-Man 7980 and 80.bay. Those are my, my <laughs> Spidey comics, uh, and, and you read those, and that'll, that'll make a happy new year for me. Dude, 80.bay, I got it. I saw it. Aunt May and Doc Ock. That's like my OCD. <laughs> I need it. really deliver it. I need it. it. Yes. I was like, this is why we're on the show together. This match. Yes. I'm Rosie Marks uh, on Instagram. And if you like any of this stuff I talked about, there's a, I've written a ton of different stuff about it. Um, if the creator ownership stuff seemed interesting to you, I wrote a really big piece on Esquire about Stan Lee and uh, his impact on creator ownership, the good sides, the bad sides. And uh, that's a really good primer for, for getting more into this stuff. And also, I think we touched on it before, but Image Comics workers tried to start a union yes. recently. So like email Image, support those workers, and maybe we can get a comic book union. Well, folks, if you want to learn more about what we explore in each episode, check out our listener's guide to all things X-ray vision in the show notes on our website. Uh, Quick note, we will be taking a break after Christmas to just rest and relax and refit. We'll be back Friday, January 7th of the year 2022. May the blessings of God be upon us. And hopefully it's a better time in the world (laughs) at that time. But who knows? Want to drop us an email? Get to us at x-ray at crooked.com to pitch your nerd out subjects. More instructions in the show notes. That's x-ray at crooked.com. Folks, don't forget about the five-star ratings. Do forget about the four-star ratings. Definitely forget about the three-star ratings. Absolutely erase any suggestion of two-star ratings from your mind. And one-star ratings, I don't even understand why you're here. Five-star ratings only on the podcast platform of your choice. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Caroline Reston and Carlton Gillespie are our consulting producers. And our editing and sound design is by Sarah Gibalaska and the good folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to Brian Vasquez for our theme music. Folks, 
have a great holiday season and may it be wonderful and may you be around people that care about you and that you care about. Goodbye. Life is a highway and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.